0: Welcome back to another episode of Cohen's Corner. It's been one of the most exciting off-seasons to date as a Mets fan so far, considering the team's already signed Eduardo Escobar, Mark Canna, Starling Marte, and the biggest fish of them all, Max Scherzer. It's kind of unreal what Steve Cohen and company have been able to do so far, considering kind of what we're used to as Mets fans, but I guess this is what we envisioned when Steve Cohen bought the team. So it's great to see he's using his resources and uh, trying to put a competitive team on the field for next season. So it's just... It's a really exciting time to be a Mets fan. Elizabeth, how are you? What are your thoughts on the recent moves?
1: I'm doing well. Um, Yes, it's definitely been quite a whirlwind of, you know, a week, 10 days. I mean, the first kind of three signings all happened in the span of about eight hours uh, the day after Thanksgiving. So if anyone, no one can ever accuse the Mets of not taking advantage of Black Friday shopping because I don't know if they got any discounts, but they clearly were very active on the free agent market the day after Thanksgiving. And then also Cyber Monday when they officially signed Max Scherzer. So, all in all, I would say that they had a very productive Thanksgiving weekend. Um, I, it was funny because the first three signings, when I saw the Mets had signed Escobar, so I was out that evening. So, I kind of missed the breaking of the Canna signing. So, I saw they had signed Escobar and I was like, oh, great. He's cool. Like, can play third base. That's nice. And then I was out and I checked my phone once and I saw they'd also signed Mark Canna. I was like, oh, that's also cool. That's the second player in a day. Like, that's, that's awesome. I had heard of Mark Canna. I've, I've learned a bit more about him in the week since they signed him. But at the time, I was like, oh, he's an outfielder. They definitely need outfielders. That sounds like a good idea. And then I was like about to go to bed. And then they had also signed Starling Marte. I was like, wait a sec, this is all today? Like, this this is a very busy day for the Mets. I was very surprised. And then I'm sure a lot of Mets fans can, can also relate to feeling like you could not leave your phone for two seconds when they were in the midst of signing Scherzer. Well, okay, the difference between the Scherzer situation and the other three was that there was a very extensive buildup on social media to them actually signing Scherzer, which I'm sure I don't need to remind anyone of the last time the Mets were rumored to sign a huge free agent starter willing to pay them more than $40 million a year. And then last time, obviously with Trevor Bauer, it didn't end up happening this time with Scherzer. It was a different story and luckily it did work out. So that was kind of a stressful day and a half for me because I know Jake and I were saying like, and like when we were first texting on Sunday, we were like, Oh, this is never going to happen, but how cool would that be? And then it kind of became more realistic over the following hours, and I was like, "Wait, this like, this seems like it's gaining steam." So, I don't know what your thoughts were, Jake, when it actually like officially did happen. But I, I, I'm like still kind of in shock. Like, even though I watched Scherzer's press conference, I watched him put on a Mets hat, and I like still don't believe that he's actually a Met. I've never really had this kind of total disbelief of any signing before. So, I don't know how what your thoughts are. I would say this is like the least. I've fully believed that the Mets have ever signed anyone in my entire life.
0: Yeah, I agree with you because, like like you said, Sunday we were texting a little bit and saying, like, yeah, I doubt this is really going to happen. Like, it's just going to be like a kind of like a Bauer situation where, oh, they're they're close, they're close, and it just using the Mets for leverage. That's what I thought about the Dodgers. I thought for sure Scherzer was using Cohen's money to get more out of a West Coast team, and yeah, it's just unbelievable. I mean, when we did our kind of like our. Off-season predictions or preview, whatever you want to call it, I don't think I ever brought up Scherzer once because I never thought of that as a realistic possibility. You know, I was like, I'll oh, bring back Stroman, maybe go get Gosman, maybe trade for this guy, a guy from Oakland, something. Never once in a million years did I think they even had a shot at Max Scherzer, which I, I guess I should have thought about it because with Steve Cohen's money, I guess really anything's possible. But yeah, you're right. I'm still in shock too. I'm look. I go on YouTube. I'm looking at these videos. I'm like watching his press conference, watching everything. I'm like, this this can't be real. Like, Or I heard on the radio someone was
1: like, New York Mets pitcher Max Scherzer. I was like, New York Mets pitcher Max yeah. Scherzer? I was it's like,
0: nuts. It's crazy. But this is the world we live in now. And I guess as Mets fans, we kind of got to get used to it because we're so brainwashed from the Wilpon era where, you know, the Eduardo Escobar and Mark Canna signings, that would have been the biggest signings of the offseason. Forget even Marte. That wouldn't yeah. happen. Those would have been the two big yeah. signings, and they would have been telling us about how they improved their team, and they're in on every guy, and but now, now we really are in on every guy. Like, remember when Brody Van Wagenen got introduced and he said that we're going to be aggressive on everyone. Like, everyone, yeah, that was bullshit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's obvious now that that wasn't happening with the Will Ponds, right. and now Victor with Cohen, it is does not happening.
1: Count as being in on everyone, no. okay? Bring, just a news flash. That's what
0: I'm saying. Like that offseason, what they they brought back, they brought Jay Bruce and Todd Frazier back. That's really. That's all they Trading do. Trading
1: for Jake Marisnik does not mean you're in on everyone. Exactly. Trading for fourth outfielders does not mean like, that you're actually going for it. It's
0: it's unreal what they've been able to do this offseason. And they're not, I don't even think they're close to done. I think when this stupid lockout is over, they're gonna they're gonna be aggressive. I mean, I've heard people saying they might go after Bryant. Apparently they've offered story something in the past. I mean, I I don't think they're done. They definitely need to upgrade the bullpen, maybe go get a guy like Andrew Chafin, a left-handed pitcher. They need, they need to do a few things. Definitely get another starter as well, in my opinion. But they've had a hell of an offseason so far, a hell of a week and a half even. Yeah, that's exactly. When it wasn't even the out.
1: whole offseason. It was literally just the past. Okay, because think about how do- It over and gloom the span of four days was. they did this. Since Billy Epler was hired, all of this has happened. Like Think about, again, how much doom and gloom there was about the Mets offseason, yep. like, even a, a month ago. And then mm-hmm. they hire Billy Epler. And I'm not saying this was all initiated by Billy Epler. I mean, certainly having an actual general manager in place is very- is, helpful to getting these deals done and i'm sure he played a really big part based on kind of everything he said in the press conferences for all these players it seemed like he really helped spearhead a lot of these moves and he was even saying that like he and sandy alderson flew to i don't know if you watched a mac um talk in the intro press conference when he was saying how like the mets actually flew to go meet him and they were like the only team that did that and that kind of apparently according to Marcana, really swayed his opinion and in, in wanting to sign with the Mets. Are we Met talking about the Mets?
0: The Mets are doing competent things? I know! They're, they're get like, free agents? No
1: way. Well, that... But it just goes... It seems like they've really put in... You can't say that the Mets haven't put in a lot of work over the last two weeks. And it's showed. They've... Yeah. And it was also interesting, too. Like, even some of the things Scherzer was saying in his intro press conference about, like, yeah, I never said I didn't want to play in New York. Like, the Nats didn't want to trade me to an NLEs team. He lives in Jupiter, which is right near Port St. Lucie. And it just goes to show, like, you never sometimes the narratives that are built about what players do or do or don't want to do, like you never fully know if that's no. true. And Unless I feel like a lot player, of the stuff you
0: really don't know with all the I think a lot of the stuff about
1: him. Yeah. Not wanting to come to yeah. New York was completely fabricated. To yeah. It was honest. all
0: BS. And so. I, it's great. I mean, and obviously money talks and like,
1: oh, of course you want course. to go to a winner. You
0: want, and um, the Mets are trying to be a winner, but money talks and, but it's amazing. I mean, they, the highest AAV for a pitcher was Garrett Cole with 36 a year. They blew past that with the 43.3 that Scherzer's going to be getting a year. And I don't know, even though he's 37 years old, we saw it last year. He's got a lot left in the tank. Like he's still a very, very, very good pitcher. And I mean, he had this, one of his best statistical seasons of his career last season. Mm-hmm. And when he went to LA and faced better competition, he just got even better. So I think it's uh, fair to expect uh, a lot from Max Scherzer this year and the following year. We'll see what we get out of the third year. But uh, I think at least for two years, he's still going to be a very dominant pitcher.
1: Right. And I think also, I think there's kind of a good a common theme across, well, Scherzer signing, but also all these signings that, you know, number one, all these players are veteran players with really good clubhouse reputations. And it one could say, oh, well, the Mets have signed a lot of guys over 30. Like, you don't want them to be older, blah, blah, blah. But like, look at the teams that actually make it to the World Series. There's nothing wrong if anything we learned from last year the Mets really need more veterans in their clubhouse they need more veteran leadership players who have experienced success somewhere else I mean I feel like this goes for the manager too which we'll get to later but like just because a player is 33 they still can provide so much value like in my opinion you know you don't want the Mets to like only go for older players because obviously there's a higher risk of injury but like younger players can get injured too I think you know if anything they really do need kind of, you know, of the ilk of the guys that they've signed players that can bring some of that, like we've talked about a more aura of success or just like general professionalism to the team and just a real desire to win and not be too comfortable in their place. And, you know, actually want to build something special. And, you know, especially for Max Scherzer, like the fact that he even wanted to sign with the Mets and he's accomplished everything that a major league pitcher could hope to accomplish. He's won three Cy Young Awards. He's won a World Series. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. There's no question about that. He's 3,000 strikeouts. Like, he's done everything. So, but he, he's still out. And I feel like he still has a huge, like, desire to... He's still got a winning. chip on his shoulder. He's still exactly. got something
0: to prove in his opinion.
1: Exactly. And for someone who, yeah, theoretically has nothing else to prove. Like, I feel like the, there's definitely the theme among the players they've brought back and maybe among the players they've decided not to bring back because... I read somewhere that, like, and none of their kind of pending free agents from this past season, they've re-signed to this point. So, some of those, you know, were like Syndergaard and Loop going elsewhere. That was kind of the player's choice, probably. Maybe the Mets would have wanted to retain them, but I do think there's nothing wrong with, like, you know, whatever culture they've had or whatever kind of mix of players they've had, it didn't work last year, so, like, May, may as well change it up, you know. I I have yeah. no, problem. How, many I have no year, problem. how many years that? did
0: the team decide to bring players back that they either traded away or that were free agents that Jerry's Familia, perfect example. Familia, Todd Frazier, Jay Bruce, a lot, a lot of players they bring back. I mean, like, it's just they needed they needed to switch things up, and not not that Conforto was a bad guy or a bad player or that Baez, you know what I mean? Like, people love Baez, Strowman whatever, but like, they needed to change it up. Like, you can't just keep running things back and expect different results. You know what I mean? Like you kind of got to be realistic with yourself that maybe this is what these players are. Like, you know what I'm saying? Hopefully Jeff McNeil is able to figure it out, but I don't know if that's going to be here. We'll see what they do the rest of the off season, but they're really changing up player personnel. They're changing up a lot of things. Look, the whole, besides Jeremy Hefner, the whole coaching staff is going to be different. It's going to be a lot of changes and players even knew. it. I remember uh, JD Davis was saying in one of his press conferences late in the season that he knew there's going to be a lot of new faces around. He doesn't know if he's going to be here. It's it's a whole different team already. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what they continue to do this offseason.
1: Right. And, you know, it's easy to get, like, emotionally attached to players and as, aside from the individual team. But, you know, ultimately, like, you root for the jersey. You root for the team. And so, like, whatever players are on the team next year, I'm going to root for. And, like, whatever they need to do to make the best team possible, even if it means – you know, some players that I liked aren't on the team anymore for whatever reason. Let's you know, like at this point again, it's been so long since the Mets really seemed committed to sustainable winning. And it seems like, you know, so far they haven't signed any free agents that require giving up a draft pick, which I doubt they're going to do unless, you know, I, I just that seems highly unlikely. They unless, so they haven't, unless Correa falls into their lap, which. Mike it's not happen, gonna, it's, not it's happen. probably not happening. Like at this point, and I'm honestly okay with that. Like, he's a great player. I just that might be asking for too much. Even though you know, who knows? We didn't think they were gonna get Scherzer either. I highly doubt Correa is coming to the Mets at this point. But you know, they haven't traded anyone. <laughs> they haven't they haven't traded prospects for fourth outfielders, which again, you never need to do because there's always people out there you can sign or call up. And you know, it seems like they are kind of going about it in a way that like makes sense for what they have available right now, what they have available is a lot of money to spend. And they, to this point, haven't, they can kind of afford to take some of those luxury tax penalties over the next few years. If they need, if it means spending more money right now to keep building up their farm system in order to kind of build that sustainable team where, you know, a few years down the road, they have a lot of solid position players and pitchers available and kind of a pipeline that they're building and then maybe they won't have to spend as much money in free agency in the future because they'll already have a better team than they did going into this offseason. So, so far, I think that plan of using the resources that they have available and preserving those more scarce resources, like, you know, again, their top minor league prospects, seems to have, it seems to be like a smart way to think about what they have yeah. available and also build for a successful team next year by spending as much money as they have.
0: Yeah. And you think in Steve Cohen's initial press conference when he bought the team, he basically said, we want to turn into the East Coast Dodgers. I mean, it's essentially what he said.
1: I think he did say that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And when the Guggenheim group bought the Dodgers, I think 10 years ago, that's what they did originally. They threw a ton of money at free agents until they could bolster up their farm system and bolster up their analytics and their whole organization because their organization was a shit show just like ours was when Steve Cohen bought the team. So, I mean, he's doing what he has to do. He's using his money. That's what, like you said, we don't have a lot of prospects. I mean, we have some high end prospects, but the depth of our prospects is, is not very good. He He has the money you got to spend on free agents. If you're going to improve the team, that's how you're going to do it right now until the rest of the organization is built up. And I think he's doing a great job with it. He tried spending money last year and It didn't seem like anybody wanted to take it, you know, but it's nice to see that people are deciding to come to the Mets. Like I love Starling Marte. The fact that the Mets had 54 stolen bases as a team last year, and he had 47 by himself. I mean, that's going to add so much to this team with, especially if you have him and Nimmo atop the lineup or however you want to do it, it just makes the lineup so much longer and gives it so much more depth and so many more options. And I love the versatility they're doing like Escobar. He can play multiple positions. Can it can play multiple positions. You could put Marte at multiple positions. I mean, versatility is a big thing. And I feel like the Mets have been lacking versatility for a very, very long time. And if you look at a lot of the winning teams, like the Dodgers and all teams, like when the Cubs were good, I mean, versatility is a really big deal. And that's why I think if they were to go sign one more bat, Chris Bryant would be the perfect fit for them. Billy Epler even said the other day, he loves guys that can play on the grass and on the dirt. Like he he loves all the versatility. So I feel like Chris Bryant would be perfect for them. He would give them some thump because that's the one thing they're probably lacking right now is a little power. They don't right. have as much power. You know, so they probably is coming back. Yeah,
1: they- yeah.
0: So, I mean, obviously you have Pete, one of the best power hitters in baseball, but you, you definitely could use another power bat in there to uh, strengthen things up. And I think that would just be the cherry on top for this offseason.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's funny. I feel like we've now gone almost entire calendar year of you finding a way for Chris Bryant. And perhaps it'll finally come true. Like, you never know. I think we could go back to like our probably our very first episode almost a year ago where you talked about how much the Mets should get Chris Bryant. And who knows? If that actually happens, like, I would be thrilled. I think, you know, again, because right now, I guess the thing is they have basically three major league outfielders and not counting Dom Smith. They have Nimmo, Marte, and Canna. And so, which is great. But like, if Nimmo gets injured, then you have Canna and Marte, and then I don't know, Khalil Lee. Like, I'm not really sure. Yeah. So I agree, like another ma- like major league outfielder with like Bryant has third base ability. You know, he has kind of that rare combo of there's not that many outfielders who can like also play third base really well. And, and he so, plays
0: above average at every position you put him at.
1: Right, exactly. And the only thing the only thing about Bryant is like I do feel like you know, he didn't have an amazing year offensively with the bat. I do – I'm not – if the Mets did sign him, like, I'm not expecting, like, an MVP caliber season, to be honest, No, but he Bryant. won't need
0: it with the, this lineup, but he's not going to have to be the, right. the focal point. I just don't
1: want people to, like, overhype. I, I do sometimes feel like Chris Bryant is a bit overhyped just because of, like, people think about his MVP season and his Rookie of the Year season, and he won the World Series with the Cubs. Like, his actual – last couple of years, I know 2020, like, doesn't really count. I just, like, the only thing is I would love Chris Bryant because of his versatility and he's a solid bat. Like, I don't think he is, you know, perhaps as incredibly impactful with the bat as some might hope. He yeah. would still be a great signing, though. But yeah, he's, that's not all gonna, he's probably saying. not
0: going to ever live up to that. MVP season he had, but I mean, he still hit 25 home runs last year. He's still a very productive right. player. And if, especially with no, the security sure. he provides and the defense he provides and the leadership, and he's a winner, like we were just talking about this, he needs some winners and he's won. And uh yeah, I just think he would be a great addition. And it just helps that he can play all over the place and hit you 25 home runs, 80 RBIs. And another guy that's a solid clubhouse guy, like you touched on it, but these guys that they brought in they they all seem to be very respected in the club. Problematic. I mean, look at like Max Scherzer said it in his initial press conference that he was so excited to play with Escobar and they had never played each other ever. I don't even know if he's ever met the guy and he's just heard so many great things about him. He's just excited to play with him. Like when was the last time the Mets brought in people that were so respected and just, I mean, I don't know. I just think they've killed this off season so far. They've done such a great job. They've blown my expectations out of the water and, I'm just so excited for the season to start, if it ever starts.
1: Well, I mean, I think it will. But another thing, another thing about Scherzer too that I think is really important is, especially considering there's still some kind of uncertainty around Jacob Degrom heading into next year, since you know he didn't obviously pitch in the second half. I do think having Scherzer, you know, whether or not he would ever admit it, I'm sure Degrom feels like a lot of pressure to be, you know, the guy in the rotation when he's healthy, and I think having Scherzer there kind of like having the duo of the two of them takes a little bit of pressure off him as well. And again, not that he's someone who would shrink under the pressure. Like if anything, he really does kind of pitch his best when the Mets really need him. But on the other hand, I think it's still not a bad thing to have another basically proven ace on the staff to where DeGrasse, like, you know, hopefully, obviously he's healthy next season and can pitch all the starts. That would be amazing. But I also think having Scherzer there will be, you know, hey. I can't wait to see the two of them like interact. I know oh, there's basically that one picture of them that keeps going around from the All-Star game a few years ago that, you know, I'm I'm kind of excited just to see how they feed off of each other's energy because they have very different like mound personas. I think Scherzer is a lot more like animated than DeGrom is, but they're both very intense. And I'm personally just kind of very excited to see that duo of ace pitchers. Like, I feel like it's kind of been a while since the Mets had two like veteran Aces in the rotation. Probably the last time, I mean, there's actually an article that um, Sarah Langs wrote for MLB.com about teams that have had two multi time Cy Young winners in the rotation. And I think the Mets have had that like three times in their history. The last time being, I believe, when Pedro Martinez and Johan Santana were both on the team in 2008. And while Pedro was injured for a lot of that year, that was, I think, Santana's main healthy, best year of his Mets contract. And I feel like it's kind of been not really since then have the Mets had two like really extremely accomplished like ace caliber pitchers in the rotation at the same time. So, I'm I'm just kind of really excited to see what aura that the two of them combined can bring to to the Mets because I feel like, you know, last year and even the year before it's like DeGrom and Pray for Rain basically some of the time. I know Stroman had a really good year last year, but in terms of like kind of that aura of dominance I feel like DeGrom has kind of been above the rest of the Mets pitchers. And I think hopefully next year, it'll be exciting to see what kind of that duo can bring to just either the team's record and also like the clubhouse and just general kind of atmosphere around the Mets as well.
0: If you look back at last season, the, the, probably the turning point in the year, whether it was a main reason we fell off or not was DeGrom getting injured. And now it provides you some insurance because the Mets didn't have another ace to turn to last year when DeGrom got hurt. Everything kind of just fell apart. So, I mean, it's going to be great. Hopefully they're both healthy. If they could both combine for like 60 starts this year, that would be ideal. But if one of them were to get hurt, you have an ace that can kind of pick up the slack until that guy comes back. And if we get to the playoffs with these two in a short series, who wants to face us? Like you look at the new proposal for the uh, division winners, you get to pick your opponent, and hopefully the Mets will just win their division. It won't matter, but... Who's going to want to pick to play the Mets? Like, who's who's going to want to face Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer in a best of three? Like, who what, and who in their right mind would want to do that? It's just going to be insane. And that's the advantage it gives you because you can never have enough pitching. And when you have those two leading your staff in the playoffs, I mean, that's just, uh, it's it's going to be deadly if they make it there. That's if if they make it there, because now, you've seen I mean, how many year after year something go. go wrong for us and not Jesus. to make it. So I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but and that's kind of what, Steve Cohen must've been thinking and Billy Epler and Sandy Alderson when they sign him, that's what they're envisioning is getting to the postseason and having a two headed monster like the and Scherzer. And uh, it's just, it's going to be so fun to be able to watch Scherzer. Cause we we've seen him dominate the Mets how many times as a national or as a Dodger. I mean, it's going to be so nice to have him on our side and get to watch him make teams as stupid as he make, made the Mets look all the time. So, I mean, it's, it's just, it's a great time to be a Mets fan. It's just, I I can't believe I have to pinch myself because I just can't believe this is real life after everything we've been through as a fan base. It's just, it's incredible that this is uh this is happening.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I honestly like still don't really believe that Max Scherzer is in bed. Like I've yeah. never had this week long disbelief about any player before, but another thing also, I think that having Scherzer in addition to DeGrom will really help with is kind of like, kind of like I said last year, I don't feel like, there's no player on the Mets besides Degrom that other teams talk about with any kind of level of intimidation or fear, and I feel like adding Scherzer, you kind of now have like two players that other teams are kind of afraid—not not like cowering afraid of, but you know what I mean—that. But they're
0: like they're always mindful of. They
1: ha- having Scherzer, like when I feel like when the Degrom is on the mound for the Mets, there's kind of just that mental advantage. Like you know how yeah. When teams talk about in the playoffs, like, for example, when Blake Snell was taken out of World Series Game 6 or things like that, when an ace pitcher is taken out of a game, the other team can, like, relax. And it gives a huge kind of mental shift. But when when you're being dominated by someone who has a really impressive track record, it like, that team has, I feel like, kind of the advantage just mentally. Like, going into the game, you know, you almost feel like you have to do more. And so I feel like it just puts a lot of extra pressure on the opposing offense to, you know, because they know they're facing a DeGrom or that he's probably going to have, if not his best stuff, then at least be able to overpower you. Like, I feel like Scherzer is kind of now, the Mets have like two pitchers that, or two players, period, that other teams are maybe a little bit intimidated by, or at least feel like they're definitely at a disadvantage, maybe when facing that pitcher. You know, I don't know. I can't get into the mind of major league hitters. I'm sure that they feel like, they have to feel like they can hit any pitcher. Otherwise they would never do anything but I still feel like it adds that extra kind of meant like edge for the men in terms of a player that can you feel like can really I don't know how to describe it how
0: how much confidence can a team have when they they're coming into a even just a regular season series, and they're coming to Citi Field, and they see game one of the series they got to face Degrom, and then game two they got to face Scherzer. And you kind of as a team, you're kind of like, all right, well, those might be two losses. Let's try to get one of them because I doubt there's any chance for getting two. Yeah. If there's a big losing streak, the Mets are on like that's so helpful. And you have Degrom and Scherzer, either one of them to end that streak. Like that's what you look for your ace to do is kind of put an end to the bad times and start up good right. new times. And I mean, it's just, uh, it's just, it's a great move. I never. We keep saying it. And I know it's like, uh, I can't, I can't believe they were able to sign Max Scherzer. I know. Like, like you said, when, when the news first came out, I was at work, so I couldn't really, nobody around me really cared. So I didn't, I couldn't really do anything, but I got home and I was just losing my mind. Like watching all Max Scherzer highlights, watching all the, you know, the coverage of it. And it's just, it, it's crazy to see him put on that Mets hat the other day. Like, did we never ever thought Max Scherzer would ever be a Met. Like remember last year and they were talking about maybe trading for him and I get that was very unrealistic because the Nationals weren't going to trade him in division and Scherzer he basically said it, but he didn't want to come to the Mets either. I mean, he wanted to go to a winner. It seemed like and uh, yeah, it's just it's a it's the best move the Mets have made in an offseason probably since they signed since they signed Carlos Beltran years yeah, and years and years ago.
1: Definitely, and you know another thing too. Not only does having Scherzer like help you know, maybe add some intimidation factor to the Mets. But I also feel like it lifts the players behind him, too, to know that they have someone on the mound. Like, you you have to feel like, you know, even if the Mets had lost a few games in a row, you have to feel like the, if they go out and they know he's pitching that day, you have to feel like the hitters behind him have an extra sense of, like, oh, you know, confidence or, like, feeling like they can win or just it's sort of an extra, like, something. Yeah, it's like
0: when DeGrom's on the mound. They, they, they I feel like they play harder. Year.
1: Exactly. And, you know, not that the other pitchers the Mets have aren't good. Not like they're not trying to win behind, you know, Carrasco or Taiwan Walker, but it does, I think, yeah. it not only helps maybe add like an edge to your team versus the other team, just in terms of how the other team is feeling. But I think it also helps lift your own team to know that they have someone who's going to give absolutely everything he has, who like 9.5 times out of 10 is probably going to be excellent. It definitely just, it kind of lifts. I, I feel like it, it helps kind of avoid any doldrums that might otherwise transpire if the hitters know that the pitcher they have, whether they'll ever say it or not, is not that good. So, it, you know, obviously there's there's so much interesting, like, you know, players talk a lot about the importance of chemistry in the clubhouse, blah, blah, blah. And that has to do with like players' personalities. But I think it also just has to do with, yeah, how, how confident they feel about each other and like how, you know, how hard they want to play for their fellow players on the field as well as how they interact off the field. And so like, that, that'll just be really interesting to see like how that transpires with Scherzer pitching for the Mets. But
0: Yeah, and, and they should be able to – you would think that DeGrom and Scherzer will elevate each other's game too because they're both so competitive. Like We've seen over the years how competitive DeGrom is. We've heard stories about him in the locker room with him and Steven Matz, how competitive they were together. And Scherzer touched on in his initial press conference how he just loves to compete and he's competitive. They're going to be – if everything goes right, they're going to be neck and neck in the Cy Young race next summer. Be- so, I mean, yeah. that's going to – that's going to raise the level of competition between each other. So that's just only going to bring good things to the team.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it was interesting too, how when in Scherzer's press conference, he mentioned that like, while kind of his conversations with the Mets were transpiring, he talked to Jacob deGrom, like guests called him or whatever, and kind of talked to him about like his like a, just kind of how he's doing, but also like how his experience playing in New York, playing for the Mets and, Basically, it seemed like after that phone call, he had even more reason to want to sign with the Mets. So, you know, like, like I tell, like I texted you, like for that alone, to Grom's number immediately for helping recruit. Yeah, him. Like the statue, exactly. Like thank, thank you for not scaring him away. We appreciate it so much. But yeah, that that will be. <laughs> we've definitely talked a lot about Max Scherzer. But again, I feel like again, this is such kind of a an un. Precedented signing in Mets history that it deserves a lot of discussion because yeah like <laughs> you're right the Mets have faced him for so many years mostly on the national and also this is kind of silly but it'll be fun to see like obviously Scherzer is going to be a hall of famer one day and it'll be cool to see like the, I mean, he I don't know if he'll go in as a Met obviously probably not he'll probably go in as a national or yeah, maybe without a cap but it'll be cool to know that he like played for the Mets you know what I mean even right. if his few years with the Mets aren't you know, maybe will represent kind of the tail end of his career since obviously he's now 37. He won't keep pitching forever. But it'll be cool to know, like, whenever he does go into the Hall of Fame that he, like, played for the Mets. I think that It's nice that he's still
0: at that. an elite level. Like, when the Mets... Yeah, him, he's draw, still yeah, as good as ever. was good for a year, year and a half, and then his body started to break down. I mean, mm-hmm. they brought in Tom Glavin, another Hall of Famer. He was pretty washed towards the end of his career. The Mets, since ever since I've been a fan, they've done a lot of this, bringing players, position players or pitchers late in their career maybe he's not a Hall of Famer. Remember Gary Sheffield brought him in just so he could basically get his 500th home run. I mean, they've done it with so many players. So it's nice now that yes, you're bringing in a Hall of Fame player that's at the tail end of his career, but he's still pitching at an elite level. It's he's not just here on name only. You know what I mean? I feel like the Mets have done that so many times in the past, brought a guy in on pretty much just his name. I mean, this Scherzer is still at the top of his game and we should expect a lot out of him for, like I said, at least the next two years, hopefully the entire contract.
1: Definitely. And like, I would rather have, regardless of age, I would rather have 37-year-old Max Scherzer than any other free agent pitcher yeah. out there, like bar none. You know, it's like, it's a, yes, age is a factor, but you have to look at the player and like, he's still playing well. Yep. So, and he's still pitching as well as he ever has. So like, at some point, not the age is just a number, but like, again, I'd rather have, a thirty-seven-year-old Max Scherzer than a thirty-year-old whoever else, Trevor like Kevin Gosman, yeah, Thank Kevin Gosman or Robbie. We how
0: much of a blessing that was that, we, that Bauer did didn't decide to come here last year. But obviously, with everything that's happened with him off the field, but honestly, who would you rather have, uh, Max Scherzer or Trevor Bauer? I mean, I it's, it's not even close.
1: Orders of magnitude, not even close. Oh, so, I mean, just
0: it's it all seems to. Usually things don't work out for the Mets. I mean, it just and it seems like things are kind of just all falling into place. And, I mean, we'll see. It's all great on paper. We'll see what they can do as a team when they actually get out on the field. I mean, that's obviously what matters most and basically only matters. But it's just – it's really exciting to see that the front office is putting their best foot forward, something we haven't been able to say in a long, long, long time. But uh, So, obviously, they still got some more player acquisition to do, but arguably the biggest thing they have left to do this offseason is hire a manager we have been hearing this week uh, a lot of names floated around apparently as of now the favorites are buck Shalter, joe espada and brad Osmus. i was reading earlier today i've been advocating for buck Shalter for i don't know how long i mean i think as long as you've been advocating
1: ago. for chris bryant <laughs> yeah
0: even a couple of years ago when they when they ended up going with rojas and the whole beltra thing i mean i wanted i wanted like girardi i wanted an old school manager and th- that's what buck Shalter would do he he plays into the analytics a little bit, but he has the feel of an old school manager. He knows what he's doing. He's managed in New York. He's very well respected. He's really smart, and you can tell he wants to get back into the dugout. I mean, I, I think Buck Showalter would be the perfect fit for them. I know they have to do their due diligence on other candidates and interview other people, but if I were them, I would just I would hire him right now. I think he's a I think he's a hell of a manager, and he would really uh, he would really bring this clubhouse together even more.
1: Yeah, and I think the advantage the buckshaw Walter or or another experienced veteran manager, like if they brought Bruce Boggy out of retirement. I'm not sure if that'll happen. But or Ron Washington. Ron Washington. Like again, kinda like we've been talking about. They they need someone like definitely, in my opinion, not a first time manager. Like they need someone who will lift the experience level of everyone around them. Who Agreed. can bring some yeah like again, I've talked a lot about like aura of success, which kind of sounds Like silly, but they need someone who, yeah, will kind of raise the expectations of, and it's not just about developing players; it's about winning. And it's like it's not just about nurturing players on a day-to-day basis. Accountable too, exactly. And
0: that whole Lindor McNeil crap would never have happened under Buck Showalter. Promise you that.
1: Right, and you know, again, I think Rojas for the hand he was dealt did a decent job, but I do think like at this point, if the Mets are really serious about, you know, they've signed Max Scherzer clearly with the intent to field a very competitive team over the next few years, they need a manager. And again, in this day and age, obviously there's a lot of kind of analytical input into what the manager can do, but there was interesting. There was a tweet from like Howie rose, I think yesterday, kind of saying that it's kind of an insult to these experienced, successful managers, like, you know, Dusty Baker or Tony La Russa or who whatever to assume that they can't adapt at all to like modern baseball and you know I think it would be kind of insulting to assume that Buckshell Walter would not be able to manage like in today's game you know what I mean we've seen Dusty Baker and Tony La Russa their teams were like I think maybe people were more kind of they were different hiring situations obviously but they're both older obviously more kind of old school you would think but their teams were both very successful this year. So I think it's, it'd be wrong to assume that because Buck Walter is seen as more old school, that he couldn't integrate any sort of analytics into, or like that he couldn't kind of vibe with a modern front office. I'm sure he would want perhaps more, maybe some more decision-making autonomy than maybe some other less experienced managers. Oh, yeah. They're but not going make so. a lineup
0: for him like they did for Rojas. But He's rightfully gonna, so. He wouldn't he, say in all that.
1: Yeah, exactly. He like, should. I, the
0: manager should.
1: Right. And so yeah, I don't think you know, again, I'm not saying there's no other good candidates out there. I think they like whoever they hire, you know, I'm I'm not sure. I I feel like it could be even if it's another candidate who is an experienced manager that isn't Buckshaw Walter, I just feel like they need I don't think it'd be right to assume that because he's more old school in quotation marks, that he like would be out of touch with how to manage a successful team in twenty twenty two. Like, I think that would be wrong because we've seen other managers do it.
0: It's- yeah, and it's different. I mean, he was just in the game. Like, he was just managing the Orioles a few years ago. It's not like he's yeah. been – it's not like it was Tony La Russa where he's been out of the game for 10, 15 years. Like, that's not the – that's not the case. Right, I mean,
1: but his team still won the division too. I mean, the White yeah. Sox, you know, they didn't get past the Astros. But it's no, like. that's
0: what I'm saying. La, La Russa did a real good job with, with the White Sox this past okay. season. You're right. Just because they're old school doesn't mean that they can't get the job done. And, I mean, they've accomplished so much in their career. You think they haven't had to adjust before You've to players and for being adaptable? And- I mean, yeah. or look at Schulte. I mean, Schulte dealt with one of the biggest divas in the sport, Manny Machado. Machado loves him. I mean, he he dealt with plenty of young players, and he really he did a good job of changing the culture. I mean, he changed the culture in Baltimore. He changed the culture in Texas when he was there with Arizona with the Yankees. I mean, he, everywhere he's been, he's kind of he's made his team better. And I just think he would be he would be the perfect perfect manager for them.
1: Right. Exactly. And someone who. You know, like I said, I feel like the players, again, maybe the last couple of years, I don't know if it was, whether or not it was Rojas's, like fault per se, but, you know, it's not all like, yes, it's great for everyone to like, it, it's great that they had like a lot of experience with Rojas in the minors and like knew him, blah, blah, blah. But I I think it doesn't have to be so like, I don't want to say that they the environment doesn't have to be as like chummy as it has been in the past, but I feel like having a kind of different level, I feel like Buck Walter obviously- Comes from outside the organization. I think the fact that he wouldn't really have any experience with this team isn't a bad thing. Like, yeah yes, the younger players on the team wouldn't have grown up with him, wouldn't have known him for the last like seven years, but I feel like that's what this team needs. Like, they need, yeah. again,
0: they need somebody someone... that's not going to coddle their players. They yeah. Hold them accountable and they're going to be there. They're going to have their players back, but they're also going to hold them accountable and like, call them out on whether, maybe not in the public, but, like, call them out when they're doing something they shouldn't be doing and not just be have afraid that they need to have this great relationship with their players and be buddy-buddy. Like, you're not their friend. Like, you're supposed to kind of be their boss and kind of hold your team in line. Like, this isn't just, like, a daycare. You know what I'm saying? Like, you need to actually have some authority and yeah, exactly. have the respect of your players.
1: Right. I mean, we've seen successful Mets teams, like, I mean, again, this isn't necessarily a fair comparison, but a lot of the players in, like, 1986, for example, didn't really like Davey Johnson that much or didn't get along with him that well. Like, Keith Hernandez has spoken to him, spoken to this several times that they weren't, they didn't see eye to eye a lot. He wouldn't say that they were, like, super chummy. But look, however it was, they all, you know, and again, I don't know if this is a fair comparison, but it's like, there's, you don't have to have, in order to have a successful team, yeah, the manager doesn't have to be, like, on the same level of, like, friendship as the rest of the, exactly like that's not i feel like we've almost i feel like we now kind of expect the managers to be like like... if you're
0: gonna do that if you're gonna have a a manager that's just gonna want to be your friend why not just have a player manager then what's the point in having a regular man what's the point i mean if he's just gonna be all chummy like with the players like you were saying if he's just gonna be all buddy buddy and oh it's okay no problem like like and not kind of hold them accountable what's the point of even having a manager like what's the point
1: Right, and so I think there's nothing wrong with, like we've been saying, and again, it's kind of with the players they've been adding, like wanting to raise the level of, and not only expectations, because I'm assuming the Mets, like, you know, expected to be good over the last couple of years, but just raising the level of, yeah, experience that they bring of just kind of a winning culture or just kind of just a mental, like, commitment to winning and just more, like I've said, Ability to not only, yeah, like, enjoy, obviously, just a kind of an extra comp- competitive edge that they've certainly been lacking over the last couple of years. And so I think we definitely both agree that an experienced manager at this point is the right way to go. Buckshaw Walter seems to be an actual candidate. So, you know, and that's not just something fans are saying. Apparently, that's, like, he actually being considered. Candidate.
0: John Heyman said Which that.
1: would be very – I mean, it would be very yeah. interesting. And I also think, you know, what's good about Buckshaw Walter – and why I don't want them, the Mets to hire, at least in the near future, anyone associated with the Mets is that, you know, if if it's doesn't work out and he gets fired, like it's not like he has an established like legacy with the Mets already. Like that's why I was so against when they hired Carlos Beltran. That's why I don't think they should hire any former Mets players to be managers for a while. Because like, I don't know. I feel like then it kind of like ruin if the player like doesn't do a good job as the manager, then it kind of like tarnishes whatever success they've already built up. And so yeah. obviously Carlos Beltran has a very kind of complicated place in Mets history. Cause he was so good on the field, but then also obviously 2006 ended the NLCS. So, but I think hiring someone that has no association to the Mets whatsoever is absolutely the right move because so- someone who we're not already going to have an attachment to in any way who the fans can just see as a manager rather than as oh former player is going to like come back and help, his former team, like to new heights, that's too emotional. Like they, they, there's so many other candidates out there. They don't always have to search between in the Mets universe. Yeah, there's a and, lot of other baseball players and for- managers out there.
0: Yeah. And you don't, it'll help too that you're bringing in a manager that doesn't really have previous relationships with the players because then everybody kind of has a clean slate and it's not like, Oh, well, I've known this guy, I developed him in the exactly. mind. So I feel like I need to kind of try to play him more, or try exactly. to push him this way. I mean, Everybody will have their own fresh slate. You prove yourself from day one. It's just – I just think it'll be a much more healthy clubhouse. I mean, they just – like we've been saying, they need something new. You got to stop throwing the same stuff at the wall and thinking it's going to stick. You know, like it's just – it's not. Like you need to do something something different. And this team needed a huge makeover. They've already got it player-wise, and now it's time to do it with the coaching staff. I'm glad they kept Hefner because I think – He's a great young pitching coach, and I think he's got a lot of potential, and he's done a great job with the Mets staff since he's been here. So I have no complaints at all about them keeping Jeremy Hefner. But if they could if they could go out and sign Chris Bryant and make Buck Showalter their manager, I mean, that would just be – I mean, and even if – what if they go and get, like, a, a young, inexperienced guy to be the bench coach because Showalter knows what he's doing. And if you want to kind of groom somebody into maybe yeah. being the manager of the future when Showalter's done because – let's face it is kind of older so he's not going to be around forever but if you want to, yeah i know problem hat, with that but we need and and cohen even said he doesn't like people learning on his dime and that was kind of telltale towards rojas like you better get your shit together and he didn't so i mean they kicked him out the door so i i think they're definitely going to go with somebody with experience brad Osmus kind of scares me i really don't want brad Osmus. he doesn't move the needle for me mm-hmm. but if, if that's I'm, a very I'm i feel like that everything. would be a
1: hire where we'd already be thinking to the next manager. And I don't want to do that. Exactly. Like
0: that, I feel like that's every time Callaway, I thought to the next manager Rojas, Something I how long? you don't know how long this is going to last. Like at least with Showalter, you know, like he's not going to fall flat on his face. Like he knows what he's doing. So uh, they definitely need something, whether it's Showalter or Ron Washington or somebody of that kind of nature. I, I, that's what I, that's definitely what I would do.
1: Right. And ki- again, kind of like we were saying earlier with the players, like, Younger is not always better in baseball. Like, having ex- like having years of experience, I feel like, like we've said, is what the Mets need, both on the field and also as a manager. Like, you know, y- there's no reason to, like, be just assume that because either a player is older or a manager is old that they won't bring value. And if anything, they'll bring maybe more value than someone younger. And so, like, you know, I want to say that the Mets, again, should only be targeting, like, people on, you know, the backside of their careers or like really old candidates for whatever roles they need to fill. But at this point, I feel like, again, the teams that have been successful the last few years have done it with a lot of veteran leadership. And that doesn't come from just one person that comes from just like, again, the culture that they can all build together and feed off of each other. And so like in order for the Mets to kind of be taken seriously, I feel like what they're doing is, is kind of how they should be going about it, which is recognizing the importance of baseball experience and just years of that having been accumulated and what managers or players can learn from that experience and the teams they've been on and having some success and how they can kind of translate that to other teams. I feel like targeting veterans in both you know, the coaching arena, I know, like we said, I feel like bench coach, there's other positions that, I don't really care who it is at this point, you know, bench coach. It could be anyone at this point. I don't know if I really care, but there's nothing wrong with, yeah. Like younger is not always better, whether it's a player or a manager. And I think that's kind of, at least I've kind of had that opinion confirmed by the players that they've signed and maybe potentially some of the manager candidates they're going after.
0: So, yeah, we'll see. Obviously, with the ongoing lockout, it's uh, the only thing they can do right now is hire a manager. So we'll see. They should do that. I would think within the next couple of weeks, we should know who the new Mets manager is. And then when the lockout does end, they have, like we said, they have a few more player moves to make. So this offseason is far from over. I mean, it's it's been very exciting so far. I expect it to continue being exciting. But yeah, so. Thank you guys for listening. During this lockout, we're going to have a lot of fun content coming. So don't think that just because there's no moves that we don't have anything for you. We got a lot of fun stuff planned. So we're really excited for that. But as always, you can find Elizabeth on Twitter at NYM fan You can find myself at Giblin underscore Jake, follow the podcast at Cohen's corner pod. So thanks again for listening guys and let's go Mets.